So I want to warn you today that we're going to be talking a little bit more, probably than normal, about the history surrounding the book of Daniel. And I think this is very important because oftentimes if we don't know history well, it's hard to understand some of the things that are going on in Scripture. And we're going to be specifically folding back the pages and going back in time about 2,600 years to talk about the events that were happening within the Middle East, within Israel, in a country called Babylon 2,600 years ago. So I encourage you and invite you at this time to open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to only be reading a few verses today. We're only going to be reading 1 through 4 and verse 6. And we'll be talking a little bit more about 4, 5, and 7 in next week's message. So let's go ahead and read a bit of scripture uh, uh, out loud here. So follow along as I read out loud from Daniel chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first uh, verse for you, first two verses here. We'll talk about it. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, pay close attention, if you would, to verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasured house of his God. So right out of the gate here, we see in Daniel 1 what happened the fall of Jerusalem. If you didn't know, Jerusalem is in the southern region of Israel. And I think I even have a few maps that I can put onto the screen for you. So if you don't mind, Eric, if there's a map of Israel there that you can put on the screen for me. Jerusalem is specifically in the southern region of Israel. Uh, the other map? If not, you can see Jerusalem... Actually, the uh, first one's fine then. You can see Jerusalem right there in the other map that you just had up. On the southern region of Israel, just right next to the Mediterranean Sea there, you'll notice that there is a word Jerusalem. And if you didn't know, the nation of Jerusalem, specifically the region of <laughs> Judah, was considered to be God's people. In fact, that's what we oftentimes think of when we think of the Israelite people. We think of the Israelite people as God's people. Because there was war and strife and disagreements among the Israelite people, eventually the nation would split with them too. That nation would become one later on in history, but you had the northern kingdom, oftentimes called Israel, and the southern kingdom, oftentimes referred to as Judah. Judah would be known for God's people, and it would be through the line of Judah that Jesus would eventually come. But what's interesting here is that we see a nation that is designated as God's people, but what do we read within Scripture? We see this other nation called Babylon that comes and besieges Jerusalem and does what? Wipes the people out. 
And they do such a good job of this that they're able to sack Jerusalem and bring back with them articles from God's temple. They're able to subdue the king of that time. And they even bring prisoners of war back to the region of Babylon. You'll see on this map here that Babylon is northeast of where Israel is. If you don't know where that region is today, we'll show you the other map right now. Babylon is in modern-day Iraq. So that would be where Babylon would be if we were to travel there today. So these Israelite people, these Judeans, get taken from their kingdom and brought all the way to this region called Babylon. Now I find this really interesting. If you didn't know what Babylon is or who Babylon is, Babylon is a nation that we see all the way back from Genesis through Revelation. We see Babylon being referred to at multiple times within Scripture. Sometimes Babylon is referred to as a nation that is in rebellion against God. But Babylon is actually a real nation. So it usually has those two different meanings. In fact, if for those of you that love Bible history and maybe have read the book of Genesis, you may have heard of the story of the Tower of Babel. Well, if you didn't know, in Hebrew, the word there used for the Tower of Babel is the same word in Hebrew for Babylon. Because Babylon would always represent in Scripture a people or a nation that are against God. It's why you see Babylon even within the book of Revelation. Long after Babylon is taken over and destroyed as a nation, because it would always represent a people who are against God. But yet, what do we see here in verse 2, if we look at it closely? It says that the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands of the Babylonians. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems kind of strange. If I were to think or be the one writing history and, and think about the people of God, I would not be delivering the people of God into the nation known as what? The nation that is in rebellion against God. So I think right here we get to learn something that is very important in life. You see, so often we think that the hardships that we go through are a product of what? Are of our own misgivings, or maybe even God's hatred towards us. And we like to be angry at God for the things that He has done in our lives, whether typically the bad things that we experience. But right here we see evidence that at times in life, God will allow bad things to happen. Now, I want to be careful about that, because what I don't want you to think or hear is that God is the source of your pain and suffering in life. That God is a bully, and He has a gripe against you, and for the wrong things that you do, God will make sure to punish you for them. I don't want you to hear that message, because I don't think it's actually the message of Scripture. If anything, I think the message of Scripture is always one where God is seeking out people to draw them to Him. But instead, what we see here is God using a nation 
that was in rebellion against him as a vessel to change and, and help captivate the heart of Judah. What do I mean by that? If any of you have children or, or have been in the lives of people that you care about, oftentimes we all go through experiences where our children desire things that we know are unhealthy or not good for them. And it can be a hard thing as a parent to try to navigate that, right? Because we know deep down inside that what they're doing could bring harm to them. But as a parent, we sometimes have to make the hard decision in life to do what? To allow the kids their own freedom so that through their freedom they can see the errors of their own ways. Why is that so important? Well, it's, it, it is oftentimes the case that if you are a parent who is overbearing and helicoptering over your kids, they will have a hard time seeing where the source of their pain is coming from. They will think that the source of their pain is a product of your overbearing leadership in their life or overbearing parenting in their life. So sometimes, as a parent, we have to make the choice to do what? To, in some ways, allow a child to make a mistake, not because we desire for those mistakes to be made, but we desire for them, through making those mistakes, to do what? To realize they're wrong. I think right here what we see in Scripture is that being unfolded within a nation. If you didn't know, Israel went through cycles of honoring the Lord and dishonoring the Lord. Where the Israel would have a good king and then Israel would have a bad king. And the current king who is ruling over Israel was one of the worst kings. We know his name from uh, Daniel chapter 1, uh, verse 1 right here, his name is Jehoiakim. And from this king, Jehoiakim, he was leading Israel in a terrible way. What's interesting, though, about Jehoiakim is that Jehoiakim's father was one of the greatest kings that, it, that Judah had ever had. Anybody just curious know who his name is? His name was Josiah. Josiah had a reputation for being one of the greatest kings in Judah's history. In fact, he was the youngest king that was ever appointed in the history of Israel, and sometimes considered the youngest king, or one of the youngest kings of world history. He took over the throne there in Judah at the ripe age of eight years old. I'm trying to think, Elliot, how old are you now? Nine, so you would have been queen for a year already, Elliot. <laughs> right at the ripe age of eight years old. But what's interesting about the life of Josiah is that Josiah, on his 18th year, sent a temple prophet to go and clean up the temple in Jerusalem. And they discovered in the mess that was the temple a book there. It was called the Book of the Law, which would have been for them the Old Testament of Scriptures. Not all the Old Testament, but the, the, the Pentateuch. And in that, Scriptures 
Josiah rips his clothes, so upset because he realizes that his people have forgotten the law of God. Could you imagine what that would have been like? For a whole nation to be known as the people of God, but yet to be so far removed from God's law that they've forgotten their history. I think sometimes we see that within our own world events, right? Where sometimes a nation can forget its own history, it can forget the reasons or the, 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 the things that brought it together. And the same was true for Judah. Time had gone by, and through the neglect of its leaders, they literally forgot the word of God. So when Josiah hears these words, he rips his robe in repentance towards the Lord, and he calls his whole entire nation to repentance. <laughs> this was the father of Jehoiakim. But Jehoiakim, unlike his father, did not follow in the ways of the Lord. He was a wicked king. So God, through this wickedness, he allows this nation of Babylon to come and take over Judah. And from that, we get the story of Daniel. It's so interesting, this story, because what this story is, is a story of people who were prisoners of war and brought into a foreign nation. You might be asking yourself, Pastor Kevin, why is it that we are going through this book? Well, one of the simple answers for that is, it's important for all of us to know God's Word. Amen? And the more we learn God's word, the more we have an opportunity for God to transform our hearts, but in that process of transformation, to hopefully do what? Transform and minister to the hearts of other people. It is my goal as your pastor to always have us engage with God's word because we need God's word to transform us and to speak to us for the times that we are living. Something we will see through the book of Daniel is we will see the life of an individual who had to experience great hardship in the midst of his service to a king who was not his own king. Think about what that could have looked like. Having to be taken away from your homeland being brought hundreds and thousands of miles away from everything that you knew to a foreign city that was not your city, to a foreign king who is not your king, and then asked to serve this city, this nation, this people. That is exactly what Daniel and his friends had to do within this story. They had to learn how to navigate life in a context that they were not familiar with. I think that is a message that speaks to all of us, church. I think that's an important message that we all need to listen to. Church, I want to encourage you in this idea that sometimes God allows 
nations and people to go through hardship, not because he is the source of that hardship, but because he's going to use that hardship to bring about a better end. You see, our, when I turn on my television or when I read the news, what I see is a lot of people who are struggling to interpret and live with the world that they see in front of them. I see a lot of people who are afraid of the times that we are in. I see a lot of people who do not know how to express themselves through their fear, so instead they choose what? Violence, outrage, they lose self-control, I see people committing true acts of evil as they are trying to navigate and control and force into order a world that they think better aligns with the image that they want to see. And it's a terrible thing to experience that. It's a terrible thing to see in our own country the strife and the division that we experience. Make no mistake that our country is going through a lot of struggle right now as it tries to understand what kind of nation we're going to be. We are a nation in many ways that has forgotten some of the key principles that have bound us together. We are a nation in many ways that has in many ways forgotten what God has called us to do as a people. And I don't mean that within the nationalistic sense, but I mean that as within the sense that we are a church, are we not? And we are called as a church to be influencers within this world. So I want us to read this book of Daniel, not because it's just an interesting story from 2,600 years ago, but rather because it is a story that can help us navigate the right now, right now, what we are going through. See, one of the beauties of reading history, and specifically reading biblical history, is you learn that life goes through cycles. Church, every nation, and especially if you read um, history within scriptures, every nation goes through cycles of good kings or good leaders and cycles of bad kings and bad leaders. And one of the beauties of reading scripture is you're made aware of that. And you instead can learn the right ways to be able to influence those around you to positive things. You see, we cannot forget that God is the God of all nations. Yes, some people in some nations could be against God's will, but that does not make it any less true that God is the creator of this universe, that he is over all people, that he still is moving history towards a certain end. And we need to be a part of the positive change of history. We need to be the ones that are influencing people to see Jesus instead of seeing hatred and division. Amen? Amen? One of the amazing things that we'll see in the book of Daniel as we continue with this series is that we will see that Daniel has one of the hardest 
tasks ever. You see, it would be easy for Daniel in Babylon to say, I know that my old life was that of a Jewish person, but I'm in a new country, and nobody's judging me in this country to hold on to that Jewish tradition that I come from, so I'm just going to adopt what's around me. Nobody would fault Daniel if he were to do that. But what we see brilliantly in the life of Daniel is we see a man who serves in a nation that is not his nation, but yet never compromises his faith. I think that's something that we need to learn how to do better. How can we be in a place, how can we live in a time where things might not be in congruence with our beliefs, right? This time period that we live in, the culture that is around us, is not in congruence with our faith. If anything, your faith is in opposition to the culture around you. Some of the things that you believe are not some of the things that the world wants to accept. And if anything, sees as offense. But there's a difference there between, the, 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 between what God is calling us to do and just being offensive for offensive sake. The gospel might be offensive to some people, but that doesn't always mean that we need to be offensive to people. And I believe that through studying the book of Daniel, we are going to see an important picture of how we are to minister to the world around us. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. He writes this in The Problem of Pain. He says, and I'm paraphrasing here, that pain is God's megaphone. That no doubt pain is God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity to the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel's soul. Or in other words, pain can be a megaphone to a deaf world. I'm not happy about the things that are happening in our world today. I don't find joy out of death and violence, out of what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine. I don't find joy in that. I don't find joy in the conflict with Russia. I don't find joy in the divisions that are happening within our country. These things are not happy things in the sense of what we end up witnessing in the evil that takes place within this world. But I am praying that God uses us as a people to speak truth, to continue to minister to those around us who do not know any better, who cannot in some ways understand and orient themselves to the evil that is going on around them. And my prayer is, is that this series will be a good encouragement to all of us in a year where there's elections going on, where we're going to continue to see more people 
losing their cool or losing their composure in the midst of their own fears. And I believe God wants us to be the kinds of people that are firm in our faith, that are clear about our convictions, that speak truth to those who need to hear it, but do that with a gentleness and a spirit of compassion and a desire to see people brought to Jesus Christ. One thing that I think we will witness in the life of Daniel and his friends that are in Babylon is that God uses his people to bring about his purposes. I'll say that again. God uses his people to bring about his purposes. Make no mistake, if you claim the name of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, make no mistake that you are alive for a purpose and for a reason. And you are alive during this time period for a purpose and for a reason. There are people who are in your life right now that need to know the hope that is within you. There are people in your life right now who are struggling to understand the world around them, who are acting out in fear, who are acting out in anger, who need to know the Christ that keeps you through, the Christ that gives you peace. There are people in your life that need to see the character of your life in order for their lives to be changed. You see, even though Judah was a nation that was against God, God wanted to redeem the people of Judah. But God will always use his people to bring about his purposes. What we see from the story of Daniel is that God will use a small group of people to change a nation and bring people to him. And I believe that God is going to do the same through those of us who take that mission seriously here in this church. Church, I want us as a fellowship to be very different from the world around us. Not just because we are morally different in the way that we live, but because we serve a God of peace. Because we serve a God who helps us through our struggles, and because of that, we live different lives. What will it look like if every Christian within America, but let's just start with every Christian within our church, took that task seriously? I think we would see a great outpouring of God's Spirit through us, because God uses His people to bring about His purposes. So remember that for yourself today, that God is going to use you to bring about a better purpose in this world, that God will use your life, that he can use your pain, that he can use everything that you go through, whether good or bad, to bring about his purposes. Will you
to pray for those that God has in your life. It could be a son, it could be a daughter, it could be a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend. Take time to pray. Take time to pray for our country. To ask God how he can use you during this time of division and strife to make a difference around us. Let's take time to pray as a church now. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ways that you move in our lives. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would hear our prayers today, Lord. That you would hear our prayers this morning as we ask, Lord, for you to change our hearts to help us this year to live for you, Lord. Lord, we pray for the strife and the conflicts that are happening on the global stage. We recognize, Lord, that there will be a day when you put an end to that. But until that day comes, I pray, Father, that you would teach us and minister to us to help us see the importance of our part in all of this. Sometimes, Lord, I think we forget that you've called us to something. You've called us to be a people who stand for your truth. You've called us to be a people who are a calling others to see your truth. I pray, Lord, that you would not allow us to get lost in all the noise, but that you would use us Lord, that you would use us to minister to a world that is oftentimes deaf. May you help us as we try to live out your kingdom on earth. I ask this in Jesus' name.